morning, everybody. Today is Friday, August 31st, and you are listening to a special episode of the Non Sequitur Podcast because we are on our way to Kyle. Hacks! Was that too loud? No, that was perfect. That was excellent. Thank you for helping me with the introduction. This is a special on-location episode of the Non Sequitur Podcast, which is why I, Melissa, am heading up the introduction today. It's my special job on the uh, <laughs> the on-location podcast, so I really enjoy these weekends. We are on our way to PAX. With us this morning, we've got some of the usual crew. Uh, myself and Luke are here. We've got longtime listeners, sometime noisy guest, Kyle. Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> who is clearly very excited. <laughs> about Pax. Uh, Kyle's lovely wife has joined us for the weekend. We'll see if we can interview her maybe once or twice as the weekend goes along. As well as several guest uh, contributors to be named when Luke figures out who he wants to interview. (laughs) Um, So, yes, we are in the car on our way to Pax. Kyle, how excited are you for Pax? Uh, Ten. Wait, you didn't give me a scale. Yeah! <laughs> Pick whatever skill you want. Kyle's at the top. He is excited yeah. for packs. Luke, how excited for packs are you? Uh, maybe like a six or seven. What? Well, it's still Olympia, Kyle. Just wait till we get to like Federal Way. He'll oh, be okay. much more excited okay. by then. Woo! <laughs> uh, Kyle, what's the thing you are most excited for before you get to see anything? Okay, the, uh, I'm excited to see Assassin's Creed XCOM. I want to try the Wii U, and Luke is already nodding his head no. <laughs> And he's going to do a racing tournament. I want to see him win. That would be pretty sweet. It would be pretty sweet. We are all looking forward to whatever racing tournament Luke finds himself in the mix for. Luke, are you excited for anything in particular this year? Uh, Just a bunch of indie games. I'm curious to play things I've never even heard of. (laughs) Excellent. And I, as usual, am excited for the spectacle of it all because this year... Luke bought me some good earplugs, so I will be (laughs) a functional human being on the (laughs) exhibition floor. We will have continued updates from the car ride up if there's a traffic jam, but certainly from PAX itself. Stay tuned. In a curious series of events, we have ended up in line without Luke, (laughs) which could pose some interesting challenges for us today. Kyle, is this the first time you've ever waited in the queue for for PAX? Yes, it's hot and smelly and there's lots of people. It's not at all smelly. (laughs) It will be soon. (laughs) Well, that's entirely possible. (laughs) But we're just in line right now. Um, Are are you feeling like you're getting to know the people around you quite well? Uh, I talked to one person. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, we'll be here for a while, so there's there's still time. How long is a while? Well, the floor doesn't open until 10. That's only like 10 minutes away, though, right? What time is it? Oh, my goodness. We've got an hour. we got about an hour. I've got a sleeping bag and a tent. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Kyle, where is your excitement level now compared to where it was in the car? Uh, uh, the same, but overwhelmed. <laughs> He's gotten quiet, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fascinating turn of events. We will check back in with you once standing in line has lost all of its appeal. <laughs> Who knew? Luke made it into line with us through some devious finagling. Had you already uh, recorded something since I've been gone? Yes, we were talking about the fact that you weren't in line with us, and we didn't know how that was going to go. I was actually going to ask you to text in to the podcast. (laughs) Luke from Olympia says... So how do we feel about the busty maiden up there on the uh, League of Legends poster? (laughs) Like her boobs are just spilling out over into the world. But she's a typical pirate winch from video games wearing thoroughly unreasonable clothing. Clearly. Um, So, standing in line, thoughts? 
Uh, so one of the cool things about this year's PAX is that I have a new camera. So I've got this nice Canon 60D around my neck. And it's pretty cool. It's got a really nice new lens on it. And I've been taking like covert pictures without actually putting it up to my face. Just been like, bah. <laughs> and so we'll see what these look like at the end. That's a terrible one. So maybe with the podcast, we can include some of Luke's shoot from the hip <laughs> um, photographs in a little album for those of you who subscribe on Facebook. That should be fun. In front of us dressed like an Ewok. That's pretty cool. There is. He's okay, taking so his met, helmet off, I met off, that guy last year, and he was a sweaty mess within uh, 30, 40 minutes. And smelly, right? Just sweaty. I Just refer to my former point. <laughs> I think. What do you think the guy behind him is? Is that Warhawk? I, I, I think he honestly just made his costume up. <laughs> it's well constructed. I, I'm impressed by the level of thought and detail he has put into the various components. He even has elbow pads painted to look like armor. I'm impressed. It's got an orange uh, everything. Yeah. It's a Nerf gun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, at some point, though, I think that it's reasonable for weapons to lose a little bit of their realism. Yeah, how would you feel if it looked like an assault rifle look and you couldn't the tell the bullets. difference? Yeah. Actually, we probably shouldn't even say something. That's <laughs> okay. So, for what it's worth, I miss Kelly. Kelly will be with us tomorrow, and you can get some good Kelly comment on the podcast. And on that note, we'll be back a little bit later. Our first stop at PAX, as usual, has been the Sony booth. And Luke, you just played with a couple cool gadgets. You want to make a comment here at the beginning? So I really like the PlayStation Vita. I think Sony needs to drop the price on that thing because I would love to get one. I played Guacamelee, which is a funny like luchador fighting game. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty fun. And uh, I think I'll probably end up buying it on PlayStation 3. And then I just used the weird, I guess, fake steering wheel. It's like an unconnected shell. PS Move. Yeah, so you put one PlayStation Move controller in the center of the, the wheel, and then you rotate it around its axis. And it's really accurate, and uh, it's even compatible with motorcycle games. You can actually like flip the little hand uh, holds out to be like motorcycle handlebars, and then you can twist your wrist to rev the motor. So is this better than the, the Wiimote steering wheel accessory? Infinitely better. This has all of the buttons. It has more, I would say, accuracy. And the ability to like twist your, your wrist and get the, the motorcycle control is really quite clever. Very cool. I think you know, maybe it's time to track down Kyle, see where he is in the line, and uh, you know, get some comments from him. So it's Friday. This is probably my last update of the day because I'm going to turn the boys loose back in the expo hall once again. Such a bad idea. Yeah, I figure you and Kyle are just going to stand in line for the next three hours. It'll be fine. We need, Actually, give me this. We need to talk, Kyle. So you were inside PAX for three hours today. How many video games did you play? One, uh, none, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So mistakes were made on Kyle's part. Uh, can you give us a brief explanation of what you did instead? Uh, yeah, I waited in a line and I got to know a guy from Intel named Ben. <laughs> really fascinating life, though. I'd rather hear about what the line was for. Uh, the line was for The Last of Us, so I like made a beeline to it. No, it's the first thing I waited in, and then it turns out it was like four hours long. It wrapped around all these different sides, and just when I thought I was gonna get in. Turns out that the line actually tucks around something else, and it took another 30 minutes. And I was like, no. I was literally like uh, just an evangelist of hate against the game. People would walk by and be like, don't wait in this line. It'll suck your life away. So then you watched the demo, which Melissa and I both thought was way too loud. What did you think of the game? No, the game actually looks uh, sweet, maybe too dark. I'm still trying to kind of get through it. Good gameplay. Um, the story, what will be interesting is to see, like, Uncharted actually worked really well. 
where you were playing and it was exciting and it was like even when you finished the game you could still play it again without it feeling too terribly repetitive like and it was good multiplayer and stuff so it'll be interesting on this one to see how much is like functionally able to change through various playbacks versus like is, is it all you know so I don't know structured in such a way that's basically like playing a movie and I still can't tell it's, it was totally different than the E3 thing I mean totally different so it seems like you can go through in a variety of different ways but yeah it was not worth three hours waiting in line it was awful but Ben hey if you listen to this you're a great guy alright we're cutting you off alright Melissa take this back Hi, I, well I was just going to ask for a, a quick morning wrap up Luke favorite thing so far I really liked looking at the game Unfinished Swan. Uh, I'm probably going to go back and interview the developer tomorrow, so don't be surprised if there is a later segment about it. Uh, it's a game for the PlayStation 3 where the entire environment is white, featureless and white. And then your character has the ability to throw paint blobs. They splatter in like five-foot radius splatters, and when they hit geometry, you start to see the form of the world you're standing in as you splatter the world. It's really quite clever. So it was and quite beautiful as well for such a simple concept. It's black and white. But the art is stylized yeah, it, in such like, a way. There was that staircase. That, it was like an old, like super Victorian or something like. Well, and it looks really good in black and white. Yeah. Um, whereas some art styles, I think, really need the color to make them pop. Um, final question before we wrap for lunch. Um, initial thoughts on the Wii U. Oh, that's right. I played the Wii. So I'm going back and looking at all my like notes. Uh, played. Um, Super Scribblenauts Unlimited or whatever it's called which is like Scribblenauts uh, played Trying 2 which is like Trying 2 turns out that the Wii U is just now catching up with the current systems so I think it'll be interesting to see how it sells um, I didn't really think the touch screen added anything it kind of annoyed me in a lot of ways I'm trying to do something in Trying 2 and the developer's like oh just use the screen instead so I'm trying to use the screen and it's even harder I was like this is dumb So, but I actually have a note well, we were in line. This girl next to me in line says, wow, they're making another Mario game with, like, total seriousness. And I just almost wanted to look at her and be like, are you joking or not? Because it's, it's, it's what Nintendo does. It's like, oh, the sun came up today. Another Mario game. Who would have guessed that after, like, 30 years of this, they would still want to do it? This has been another episode of Nintendo Rants with Luke. Good morning again, everybody. It's Saturday, September 1st. Can you believe it? It, it is September already. You are, as usual, because you probably didn't turn it off in the middle, listening to a special episode of the Non Sequitur podcast. It is Saturday, which is the big day of PAX. And I say big because we're all, the gang's all here at PAX. Uh, joining us at PAX today, we have myself, Melissa, Luke, Crystal, Kyle, Ethan, and I'm Kelly. I have no idea how many of these people we will hear from as the day goes on, but we're all standing in line together, so I figured I'd get you everybody's name so you might recognize the voices. Before we move on to future business, talking about the day ahead, Kyle and Luke need to give us some uh, just brief summaries of the big highlights from yesterday. I'll start with Kyle. Kyle, what's, what's the big memory from Friday PAX? Yeah, we, uh, we heard you actually got to play some games. So, <laughs> Yeah, after uh, falling in love with my new best friend, Ben, for four hours in line, <laughs> uh, no, I basically, after Luke said, you haven't played anything and you've been at PAX for four hours, I made it my mission to go to the shortest lines possible. So basically, I played like a bunch of PC shooters, and they were almost all terrible. <laughs> I played like Planet Side, I played Medal of Honor, I played, uh, what's that? What was your highlight? 
What was my highlight? Gosh, I don't. Uh, um, let me think. Come back to me. I'll, I'll, I'll get one. Okay, think on your highlight, Luke. You want to tell us a little bit about the afternoon, how things went? Yeah, so I didn't really play very many other games except Far Cry 3. Uh, it is really quite good. They fixed a lot of the issues that Far Cry 2 had. You don't get ambushed every 30 seconds. When you clear out an area, it stays cleared out. Quick question. Yep. I noticed that your head remains unshaven. I did not do the head shaving pre-order. Uh, I guess you actually you, you get the game for free if you get a mohawk. Okay, I, I appreciate the lack wait, 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 of wait, mohawk. Wait, wait, wait. How do you feel about this idea? Would you get a mohawk today for a free copy of Far Cry 3? No, God no. I just got a haircut yesterday. I'm, there's no way. <laughs> so we'll have to let you know if uh, somebody gets a mohawk. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a mohawk update. What else did you play? I need an update from Kelly. I heard that you stayed in a very weird place last night. Can you tell me where you slept? I slept in a friend's backyard up here in Seattle in my tent. Why? Because it was the only place I could stay. I'd, all of my friends up here have cats. I'm very, very allergic, so I stayed in the front yard, and it was really, really, really cold because I didn't have a proper blanket, but I survived. We may have to make a trip to REI before tonight. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anything else? Highlights from yesterday, Luke? Kyle told me that he was really embarrassed in one of the games he played yesterday. Yes, okay, that wasn't a highlight, but I played Hitman, uh, what is it, 4 now, 3, the newest Hitman. And so I'm playing it, and there's like this crowd gathering around watching me, and there's a bunch of different ways you can assassinate your target. And so I'm playing on an Xbox controller, which I'm not familiar with, and I go up to like these uh, sushi thing, and I'm trying to like, it's like poison the sushi so you don't make a big scene because the guy's in the middle of this huge crowd. And I accidentally take out like a machine gun and everyone freaks out and is screaming and I'm running and diving and, and then I died and literally everyone around me is laughing and mocking me and I like put down the controller and sulk away. I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. I wanted to play again, but I just couldn't. So we will have some ongoing costume updates because it's Saturday, which means that the, the main cosplay day is today. So there will be lots of costume updates. Um, quick whip around before we go back to waiting in a line. Goals or things you're looking forward to today? I'm going to interview a bunch of indie developers. So stay tuned for that. My goal is to survive and not have swollen feet. Excellent. Have we mentioned that she's pregnant yet? We have not. Crystal is eight months pregnant and is at PAX for the first time. And this is going to be exciting, I think, because um, I, I truly believe that she is going to really enjoy herself despite the crowds and the nerds and all of that. Kelly, what are you looking forward to? Um, I don't know. I didn't prepare at all for this PAX, so I don't know what's here and I don't know what isn't here and whether I'm going to be pissed off if things aren't here because they should be. Um, what should be here? The Last Guardian. It's not going to happen. I know, it's not going to. But, oh well. That's right, I'll find other cool things. I like indie games, so I'll go, go There will that. be many cool things. Ethan, what are you looking forward to today? I guess well, Last of Us doesn't have a demo. Assassin's Creed 3. It's got to be Assassin's Creed 3. I'm probably going to go for Excellent. We'll see if we can catch up with you once you've played and see if it was any good, because nobody here has played it yet. Kyle, what are you looking forward to besides not standing in a four-hour line? Swag! I want some t-shirts. I want some ill-fitting, poorly designed t-shirts. <laughs> Woo! Oh now, to be God, fair, most good. PAX vendors are giving out American Apparel t-shirts, so they may be ill-designed and poorly fitting, but they will be soft. Oh, Kelly, what are you excited about? Luke just handed me the uh, business card for the podcast. It is so good. It is, I thought he was handing me like a playing card for some, some board game or something. It's, it's got uh, all of our contact info. It's pretty sweet. 
So if you want to contact us, uh, you should get one of our business cards because they're pretty slick. Uh, for me, I am excited about the cosplay. I really enjoy that at PAX. I am looking forward to seeing if there are indie games or PAX 10 games that I can actually play. And I will let you know how that goes in a little bit. Stay with us. All right, so I have now taken over. I am interviewing my first indie game developer. Sir, what is your name? My name is Andy Schatz, and I'm working on Monaco. All right, so Monaco is a fun indie game. I'd like you to explain kind of the basics. Okay, so it's a, um, a, a one to four player cooperative heist game, and it's played from a top down perspective. So imagine a game like Pac Man crossed with, say, Hitman. Okay. And then throw in a little bit of Ocean's Eleven in there, too. Maybe a little bit of Team Fortress since it's class based. Gotcha. So, uh, the, the classes, I was the pickpocket. Uh, I seem to have some kind of animal running along with me, collecting everything. Tell me about that. So the pickpocket has a monkey, and uh, the monkey the, the monkey essentially is the pickpocket. Uh, so the pickpocket can, can like hide in the bushes while the monkey runs around and collects the coins for him. Um, and then there's, there's eight different classes. So you can play uh, with the gentleman who can disguise himself, or the redhead who can seduce people, seduce enemies, or the locksmith who gets through the, lo the locked doors, or the cleaner who can knock people out with chloroform. <laughs> so it really is like Hitman. There's a lot more to this than I thought. How long have you guys been working on it? It's almost three years now, which actually, you know, it's a long time, obviously, for, a, for an indie game, but for sort of a big release indie game, the type of thing that comes on a console is not that long. What's different is that we got very early press because we won the 2010 IGF after only 15 weeks of work. Wow. So most games, like imagine if, imagine, you know, an Assassin's Creed game being shown you know, on the floor after only 15 weeks of work is not going to happen. So we've been getting press for a long time, which is why it seems like it's been in development for so long. All right, so how many people are on your team? These days, it's, uh, there's two full-timers. Um, until for the first two years, it was just me. And then uh, and now we have uh, Andy, uh, Andy Wynn is the level designer. Um, Austin Winry, who did the music for Journey, is doing our music. It's all piano ragtime. Uh, we have a couple of guys helping out with the console port, and we have an artist that's helping out too. Excellent. So, what do you do for the company? Well, like I said, I until a couple or until about a year ago, I did everything. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I design code and and do art, and uh, a lot of the art in the game is still mine. And I I'm the audio engineer, so I do all the sound effects and everything. And yeah, I, the business, and I do a bad job at keeping the books and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> all right, two two part question. I just talked to the guy that's making anti-chamber, and he is definitely done. Like he, you know, it's like a woman who's like just about to give birth, and like they're tired of the process. They want it to be over. Where are you in the development, and are you just dying for it to be over? Yeah, you know what's funny is that um, I could, I'd be happy to work on Monaco for the rest of my life, but damn, do I need six months off. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty burnt down to the bone at this point. Um, but we are very very close. The PC version is essentially done with a few bugs left. Uh, and the console version, which we haven't announced yet, is almost done. So we're getting really close. It'll be a simultaneous release, by the way, console PC. So you guys are working behind the scenes on the console launch, but you haven't announced publicly what's going to happen That's with that. Right. Yeah, we were hoping to get to be able to announce the platforms before PAX, but we just didn't have time to get the media together to do it. So we'll announce shortly after PAX what, what console or what platforms we're going to end up on, aside from PC. Can you give me an idea of how long the game might be to play? Oh, boy. You know... I, I'm actually wondering that myself right now. Um, it, uh, this is a this is a cop out, but it is extremely replayable. So so any number that I could give you for like, you know, completing completing all the missions one time um, in the game. I, I mean, I think it's probably a 20-hour game, um, maybe 15-hour game. It depends on how good you are. You can 
if you speed run it, you can like get through it a lot faster than that. You can pr if if you re if you literally knew what you were doing the first time you sat down and, and played it, which no one will, you could probably finish it in under five hours. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty long, and then it's extremely replayable. All right, last question. I'm sure you've been here almost the entire time at PAX. Have you had any chance to go out and play anything else? And if so, what uh, was it? No, I, I'm, I'm, uh, this is my ball and chain, this booth right here. The only thing I've gone out and played is I've, I've gone to the bathroom to, to, <laughs> to pee a few times. Uh, That's not a very rewarding game, I don't think. No, it is. It, like, peeing is like one of the most rewarding <laughs> sensations in the world. It is, honestly, would you rather, seriously, would you rather spend five seconds peeing or five seconds playing Assassin's Creed? Because peeing is a, feels good. You're right. I'm going to be unsatisfied after five seconds with Assassin's Creed, yeah. but after five seconds of peeing, but imagine, I'm going to feel great. But okay, so so you want to play Assassin's Creed. Say you want to play Assassin's Creed for like four hours straight, but imagine if you had to pee so bad that you could pee for four hours straight. Can you imagine how good that would feel? No, no, so, no, better than no four hours of there is Creed. definitely a transition point where at certain time length, it no longer is satisfying and no, it becomes it tedious. Is. No. No, you want to sit there holding your junk but for four hours. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> and imagine that first five seconds, it's like, oh. <laughs> All right, sir, you have a good point. I wish you the best of luck with Monaco. I'll probably end up getting it. Uh, Probably. Well, I don't know. I, I need to get it on a platform I care about. So I'm going to wait and see what your council announcement is. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right. So I've now wandered over to the Guacamelee booth, the uh, new and upcoming game from Drinkbox. Uh, who, am I who am I talking to? Uh, Chris Harvey. Chris I'm, one, I'm one of the founders of Drinkbox. Nice, nice. So you guys did Tales from Space. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we did Tales from Space about a blob a couple years ago, and then we did uh, Tales from Space Mutant Blobs Attack. That came out for launch on the PS Vita. I've heard a lot of people say that they really like the Vita version. Yeah, yeah. It's done really well. Like, really positive feedback. People liked it a lot. We sort of refined what was happening in the first game and simplified it down a bit and the response is really good. All right. So you did two blob games and now you've done something completely different. Can you kind of explain what uh, Guacamelee is? Well, Guacamelee is a Mexican-themed Metroidvania game with a brawling component to it. So you play as a luchador and like in a Metroidvania-style game, as you go through the game, you get new luchador moves. You get like different kinds of punches and different kinds of throws and stuff like that. And so as you get those moves, you get to use them in combat, but then also they let you explore the world more. So uh, like this, there's this sort of dragon punch type move that allows you to break through certain blocks uh, to open up doors and stuff, but also you can use it as like a double jump. So you jump and then do the dragon punch and it lets you get up to higher levels. So I played this game earlier and at one point I turned into a chicken. Can you explain that? Well, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. Uh, yeah, luchadors are also chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, uh, you, be you can become a chicken using the power of chickens. Uh, it kind of acts like a, a sort of a morph ball in the game, so you can slip into smaller spaces. You can actually run a little bit faster and jump higher as the chicken, but you can't do other things like double jump or punch, stuff like that. All right, so I just saw, I guess, an homage to Mario with the uh, dragon getting knocked down uh, inside the lava pit. Yeah. Are there any other homages in this game? Uh, well, in this demo, there's uh, there's also an homage to Metroid, where when you get one of the powers, you have to blow through a statue that looks surprisingly like a Chozo statue. Nice. Um, yeah, I think in uh, in the final game, people will see like a lot of references to other games, trying to keep it light, humorous, you know, uh, you know, and recognize like where the a lot where a lot of the game's inspiration comes from. 
Okay. There's also some kind of like alternate world switching ability. Yeah, so on the Mexican, because of the Mexican theme, uh, the game has this idea of the these two worlds, the world of the living and the world of the dead. And the world of the dead is like the day of the dead in Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so as you go through the game, near the beginning of the game, you die. You're, you go to the world of the dead and you manage to get back to the world of the living. As you progress through the game, there's these portals, which you can see in the game here, will let you swap quickly between the two worlds. And then as you get even farther into the game, you get the power to swap instantaneously between the two places. Excellent. So this game is coming out on what platforms and when can we expect it? Uh, it'll be out on PS3 and PS Vita. At the same time, it'll come out. Uh, and it should be quarter one, 2013, so like after Christmas. Excellent. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you. So you just heard the interview with Chris from Drinkbox. Bob and... Oh, yeah, Bob's here, by the way. Hello. All right, so Bob and Kelly and Melissa just played... Melissa is putting a pin on my camera strap. They just played Guacamole. Some initial thoughts. Kelly, go. I like guacamole. It's neat. Guacamole. Melissa, go. <laughs> um, I, I, I liked it. it the... I have to move my right thumb from the stick to the buttons and back, and it's confusing a little bit, but I played. You did really well. And I died. You died a lot. A lot. But only at the end. Only at the end? Only at the end. I was alive the whole time before that. She was, she was doing really well. I was impressed. What about you? Uh, I really love the art style. That crazy big monster was pretty awesome. That's it? That's all you have to say? Yeah, that's all you got to say. I got, I, I got a button with a chicken on it, so I'm happy. Did any of you guys change into chickens during the demo? Yes. You have to. I don't remember that. <laughs> I tried to punch a chicken. You the demo late. Yeah, I think I did. All right, we will catch in with you guys later. All right, back after the lunch break, looking at a game called Cannon Brawl. Uh, here with uh, one of the developers. What is your name, sir? Uh, my name is Pete Angset. And where, where do you work? I work at Turtle Sandbox, a company of two people. Two people. Two people. So I'm guessing you're one of them. Uh, what do you do for the company? So I am the engineer and designer. Okay. And my friend Teresa Duringer did all of the art for the game. Okay. So obvious comparison uh, would be something like Worms, but I'm sure there's more to it. So can you give me kind of a, a brief overview of what the game is? So I guess the quickest way to describe it is Worms meets an RTS. You got uh, destructible terrain, but it's all in real time and there's an economy element. There's a lot of different buildings and units to choose from. And, and yeah, you build buildings, get gold mines, upgrade them, and try and destroy your opponent. All right, so are you old enough to remember Scorched Earth? Yes. All right, so I'm 31, almost 31, and I grew up on that. I mean, that was like, I learned DOS to be able to play Scorched Earth as a kid. It's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, I see a lot of those kind of elements here, kind of the risk reward of, of what to shoot for. So I've noticed you've got a home base that you need to protect. Right possibly a gold mine that you get resources from. Yeah, gold mines across the map that you're trying to expand out to. Okay. And there's diamond mines in the center which are worth the most but hardest to get to. So your, your opponent has some options. They need to either kill your base, kill your, your offensive things, your defensive things, or your gold mines. So there's a, a strategy element here. Is there more to it than that? Uh, I mean, the end goal in uh, the multiplayer mode is just to destroy the other guy's headquarters. And you can do that by going straight for it, if you can get there in time, or you can cut off his economy, or you know you can just kill all of his structures. I saw at the beginning it looks like you can kind of choose your loadout before the level. It's a little bit like Plants vs. Zombies. We're going to ship with a lot of different buildings. You can choose right now five. We're thinking maybe up to six. 
So you're kind of trying to choose the best combination of buildings, kind of different crazy strategies with the buildings you're choosing? So what has been the biggest challenge, roadblock, obstacle in the development of this game? Uh, we, it took a long time to kind of to, to make the game uh, approachable. Like it was really overwhelming at first, but we've done a lot of playtesting to, to smooth out the UI and the gameplay and, and so that people can just sit down with a quick explanation and, uh, and get right to the action. Is it possible to like just fall through the bottom of the level and land in the water? Uh, yeah, if, uh, as they're destroying the terrain, if you knock out enough underneath the building, the building will drop and take fall damage. And that's a definitely a viable strategy. That's pretty clever. How often do you see the equivalent of stalemates in a game like this? Uh, that was something we had to balance for, actually. And, and yesterday, previously, some of the games were moving a little slower, and we made some tuning changes last night to kind of keep things going. So, <laughs> so Shane finally got a victory here. I think Shane's working for Sony right now, trying to kind of collect indie developers. Have you announced any platforms yet? Uh, we're going to come out first on PC, on Steam, and we're also talking with Sony to come out on, on one of their many platforms. And we hope to come out on Xbox, but we haven't pursued that yet. All right, last question. Have you had much opportunity to try the other games in the PAX 10? Yeah, I, a few of them. I haven't got to everyone yet. I played the, the Containment, the Zombie Puzzler. It was pretty fun. Uh, I played uh, Catch-22. That was pretty interesting. I want to try Splice, but I, it's hard to get away from the booth. Yeah, I've, I've talked to some other developers that feel like they're just anchored down to, to their own game. Yeah, and I, I just want to thank all my, uh, my friends Michael and Corey and Brian for helping me demo. They've been a huge help. That's one of the challenges, right? It's not just a one-man show. Yeah, definitely. All right, thank you for your time. Thanks. You know you're bad at a video game when the developer can't even let you win. All right, what did you just play and what did you uh, lose at? I, I played some Cannon Brawl that sort of... I was just standing over there. I know, I was playing on the laptop. Oh, okay. The, the real-time tower strategy yeah, I defense... Just, I just interviewed those guys. Okay, yeah. So the developer, you know, sits down, he, he tells me, like, what things to buy. I thought I was doing okay at first, and then the whole thing fell apart. And you could tell he was going easy on you? He was totally going easy on me, which is why the game took forever. He'd have obliterated me if, if I had any, if I, yeah. So random aside, I, I don't know how much I can share. I just talked to Shane Bettenhausen, uh -huh. former 1UP, former Ignition, now current Sony. He said he wouldn't talk to me on the record because uh, legal reasons. So I don't know what I'm allowed to say from the conversation on the record. You can't. I probably can't. I just want to say that it's not the end of the world for Nintendo. You can't. I'm pretty sure I can. So I think there's a good chance that someday I might be able to play that game. Also, Shane is pretty awesome. He commented on my NeoGAF shirt and asked me my name. <laughs> All right, I've moved on now. I am standing at the demo station for The Bridge. Who am I speaking with? I'm Ty Taylor. I'm the designer and programmer of the game. All right, who else has worked on this project with you? Uh, Mario Castaneda, the artist. So, the artist. Actually, I want to talk to you first now I think about it. The art of this game is really quite unique. I want you to kind of talk about what your background was and what gave you the inspiration for this aesthetic. Uh, so my background, I've done 2D all my life. Um, several projects that didn't really go anywhere. This is uh, like the first sort of out of the gates big project I've worked on. Um, inspiration is like hands down MC Escher. Uh, we, me and Ty kind of set out to make MC Escher the game and it was sort of a mutual understanding what we wanted for visual aesthetics and how to convey that feeling of like mystery and impossible architecture and that's what we're going for. 
I think it would have been pretty ballsy for you guys to call it MC Escher the game, but I kind of like that idea. Uh, I'm, the, the, his art's copyrighted, his likeness isn't, but I don't want to touch it. Like, <laughs> my, my code name for this was actually Escher, but like, I didn't want to set the uh, expectations too high for it. Do you handle more of the coding and the, the engineering side? Yeah, well, I, I'm doing all the puzzle design as well. But yeah, I, I created the engine from scratch as well. All right, so how long have you guys been working on this project? Uh, I've been working on it for almost two and a half years now. And you started and then you added him to the project? Absolutely, yeah. Once, once I realized it was a real thing, once you know I had some puzzles made and the player was walking around, I'm like, I need art for this if I want this to be MC Escher. So one of the fascinating things about being an indie dev at PAX with a puzzle game is that you sit here and watch people bang their head against a wall for 20 minutes on one simple puzzle. Uh, maybe not simple, but to you it seems simple. How frustrating is it to watch that process? It's, it's not frustrating at all, actually. It's very enlightening. I, uh, the feedback I get here is absolutely great. and uh, not, not so much with PAX, because we've been like incubating the design and polish of this for well over a year since Indiecade last year. But like every we, we've taken this to several expos, and each time we've gotten a lot of great feedback to to make the game better before we release it. So I'm actually happy that when, when I see people get stuck or have an issue or find a bug, because that means it's not going to ship that way. Absolutely. Quick question from Mario. Is there a, a reason why the guy looks how he is? Is that supposed to be MC Escher? Uh, sure, yeah, it is. Uh, but as far as the sketchiness goes, everything that the player can interact with, everything that sort of has life to it, has that sort of sketchiness to it, um, kind of to promote interaction with those objects. So. We wanted, the, uh, we wanted the entire game to, to feel like a drawing, which is why he's actually sketched in and he, he dies when he's erased. So, or, I mean, when he's erased when he dies, sorry. Yeah. So is this just like something you did on like a Wacom tablet? Is this like a huge like 4,000 by 4,000 image that you did? Oh yeah, these images are pretty huge. Um, there's a lot of like interesting compression that Ty's doing that uh, he won't tell me about. But yeah, being in black and white helps reduce size. Uh, and yeah, they started on tablet and they've moved to Cintiq now, so working on a screen. Absolutely, I've seen those things, they're pretty cool. So tell me about kind of the, the plan for this game going forward, launching, what systems, when? Well, we're probably under six months from being done. And we're still talking to distributors to see exactly where we're going to be releasing. Uh, I'm developing it for PC, so that most likely means you'll be able to get it on your PC. Uh, but this is the kind of game that would work on any platform, really. So I'm going to try to do everything I can to make it on all platforms, if possible. So I'm just thinking about the controls. Would all the platforms include something like an iPad? Yeah. I mean, uh, this, this is a uh, game about rotating gravity. And so iPad or any tablet makes sense. I think, yeah, just being able to, to control it tactily might be an interesting ability. Yes. All right, anything that I should know about this game if I sit down and play it? Is there one kind of thing you've noticed that people overlook, forget, or don't even try? I feel like sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. I, yeah, because yeah. We've, like, Ty's seen children play it, and they do fantastic, kind of like learning a second language. I think that we're kind of like really concrete in our spatial reasoning, like the floor is here and the ceiling's up there. And that's not the way the game works. As, as an adult, it will really make you uh, take a second look at how you think about reality. All right, so you guys are part of the PAX 10, which is quite a privileged position. Your game is awesome, but if I was going to go walk around here and try one other game, what would you recommend? Um, well, I think all puzzle games are good just because I love puzzle games, but I would, I would prefer Joust. Joust? Go, go play Joust. All right, what about you? You took my answer. <laughs> have you guys played together? I think, oh yeah, I think we have. And who won? Me, every time, me. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, thank you for your time. Thanks. The Longnickers won something at PAX, woohoo! Yay, what did we win? A t-shirt from Puzzle Juice. Yeah? 
That's the name of the game, Puzzle Juice. All right, which one of us won it, I guess? I did. Yeah? So <laughs> tell me about this game. Um, so it's, uh, they call it a combo Tetris bejeweled uh, crossword puzzle game. It's like Boggle, right? It's kind of like Boggle, kind of like um, Bookworm, actually, where okay. you're spelling words in kind of different arrangements. Um, but the, the pieces come down, and, you, and if you make whole rows, like in Tetris, they don't disappear, they turn into letters. And then you have to spell words to get rid of the blocks. Okay. And, but you can also get more letters if you don't have a full row by turning chunks of color into letters. Okay, yep. And so the, the competition was uh, in Zen mode, which is, I guess you have to be like in, in that kind of flow state or whatever in order to do it. It's 90 seconds, which I, freaked me out. And the pieces don't drop on their own. You have to drop your own pieces. Okay. And um, so it was dropping pieces into the right places, getting the color blocks, getting the letters, spelling the words. And I was the first one to go, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I got 67,380 points. Okay. And then the next person got, I think, like 30,000 some Whoa. points. You crushed them. And then the person that I thought, and actually the guys running the tournament thought had beaten me, he's like, oh, we have a new high score. And his score comes up, and it was 49,000 points. Nice. And then the last girl went, and she, to be fair, had only practiced on the iPad. Um, she got 1,100 points. Oh. Yeah. But so the, the secret was spelling words. I spelled more words than anyone, even though some of them were three letters. That's the trick. Because words get you tons of points, and the other things don't. Gotcha. So... I'm not going to ruin the surprise right now, but in a week or so, I'm going to show you and everybody else a video, and it's going to be awesome. Oh, no. Stay tuned. Waiting in line seems like a good time to do an afternoon update. So Luke's going to take a couple of photos here as some cosplayers walk past us. Uh, so Luke, uh, talk for a minute about how your day's gone so far. Uh, it's gone pretty well. I think I've only played like two or three games, maybe tops. I, I just played Far Cry again with Kelly and Bob. Uh, Kelly, what did you think of Far Cry? I died a lot. Did you really? Yeah. From what kind of stuff? Um, I kept running in front of like lots of guys who, had, who were already shooting at me. So you got shot at? Yeah, I was doing poorly. Okay, I kept dying because of uh, wild animals. See, yeah, I... I always have to relearn this lesson when I start playing a first-person shooter that my best, my greatest strength is stealth, even when the game isn't built for it. So that's eventually what I fall back onto, and then I'm really good. So I don't know what happened because I guess I already played kind of the main story stuff yesterday. This time I decided to just go running around shooting animals with bows and arrows. Like I went on a hunting mission basically, and was really quite bad at it. I think Melissa actually fell asleep sitting next to me. And then I got attacked by a crocodile. In your head, yes. I got attacked by a crocodile and managed to fight for my life. And then later got attacked by a tiger that killed me. I saw a great white. Yeah, did it kill you? No. I tried to shoot it with bow and arrow, but I was too far away. So yeah, there was some some drama there. Uh, I don't know what else. I don't. We didn't really play very much. I feel like we've just been wandering a lot. Yeah, I got to play bridge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was really good. It was fun. I. Uh, it's a great puzzler. It kind of reminds me of Braid a little bit, but. It's got a different mechanic than that, and because the, the the rewind is just to fix mistakes, right? Yeah. So well, so far, yeah. You think possibly it could be a, a game mechanic to advance? Possibly. I don't know. I, I mean, I I didn't see too far into it. That was the only the the rotation of the world was the only mechanic I saw. So we'll see. And Melissa, you've only played the the puzzle juice game. I played puzzle juice. I played cannon brawl. That's right. That's right. I played. 
guacamole again, or I played guacamole earlier in the morning. We talked about that. I played When Vikings Attack on the Vita with you. That's right. We did a co-op When Vikings Attack. That was actually quite fun. It was it was challenging. I the screen was really small. I I know it's a nice big screen for a portable. I would rather play on the... So I found out that it's going to be a PS3 game as well, so we can get it and play together. That would be much preferred. All right, Bob's coming back. We need to fill time until Bob gets here. Sing something. Oh, I don't know what to sing, but normally I can make up pretty good rhymes, but not this time. All right, Bob, tell me about Far Cry. How many times did you die? Uh, I didn't die at all, actually. So Kelly died a lot from bullets, and I died a lot from animals. I didn't interact with very many people. I drove around a lot. I ran around a lot. I tried to climb mountains. I tried to swim. But yeah, I, it sounds very boring. It was. <laughs> no, it was fun. Did you fall asleep during the demo too? No, I did not. All right. I had, I had one of the guys sitting right next to me, so he's like, "Well, if you go up here, you can liberate this whole area, and then it'll be friendly rather than hostile." So I was like, "All right, sweet," and I ran up there and got myself mowed down a few times, and then I. You know, I stealthed it, like I said, <laughs> and figured it out and got them all dead. And Yay, my little blue flag went out. So we are wrapping up this, I guess, gaming part of the day. We're doing a panel now. Yeah, I don't really know what this, this panel is. It sounds like there may be some kind of quiz involved. Really? Uh, so Kyle, who is not in line with us, otherwise he would be able to explain it, said that the, the whole idea was that uh, the IGN guys maybe we're gonna have audience participation answering game related questions and or the giving of swag I'm not really sure none of this uh, stuff sounds good to me uh, I'm, I'm curious if I'm gonna enjoy this at all well if, if Kyle gets up there and makes a fool of himself that could be pretty awesome <sighs> one could only hope all right we'll check back in afterwards all right, everybody, this is Luke, not Melissa. It is the beginning of day three. I think the girls are out shopping. Is that correct, Kyle? I believe so. Spending all of our money? That is the wrong way to start packs. Yeah? Shopping? Yeah, no, that's wrong. Okay, we're doing it right. We're waiting in line. It seems to be uh, less well attended today. Uh, we think maybe people are sick, drunk, hungover, or... <laughs> or hookups. Or hookups. This is the day after the battle when there's just, like, dead bodies laying everywhere <laughs> and it's quiet. There's, like, hardly anyone here. It's crazy. So, given that, we might have a, a better chance at seeing some neat games. Do you have any uh, goals today, Kelly? Uh, I get to meet Cthulhu Chick today. I'm You're excited that? about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tell me about her. Um, she is an internet person of interest, I guess. She's a big uh, HP Lovecraft fan. Yeah. I don't know. She's just a really cool person. I'm interested in meeting her. What are the odds you're going to wake up tomorrow in a bathtub full of ice without your kidney? Whoa! <laughs> uh... She's a Cthulhu fan, right? So she's more likely to, like, devour me whole. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Kyle, what is your plan today? Triple A games, man. If I can get in there, I'm going to try Borderlands, XCOM, stuff like that. Those lines have been ridiculously wrong the entire, like, I think there's people camping. They never left the show. They're actually just sleeping in lines waiting to get into those games. So it looks like our line is most closely aimed at the door to get into Borderlands. Are we going to make a, a beeline for that? If it, Yeah, if the line is not already stretched. Like last time when we went in there, literally I got in the line and they kept pushing me back. They're like, no, it's over there. It's behind that booth. It wraps around that wall. It goes through the bathroom. It's out that window. Climb over the... I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'm not waiting that long. That game comes out in two weeks. Or awesome. not, maybe it's not two weeks, but soon. Uh, two weeks from uh, Tuesday, yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty quick. 
Uh, I think I am going to just look at a lot of stuff. I haven't even seen Tomb Raider or Hitman or a lot of those games. I've kind of missed one whole wing of this this convention center. And then at 1 o'clock, going to the 10th anniversary Ratchet & Clank celebration. And then hopefully at 4 o'clock, going to the Gearbox panel, where I'm hoping to get a free copy of Borderlands 2. <laughs> I don't know. They did it last year, so... I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's good odds that they'll do it again, but you never know with those guys. So they like to they like to surprise us every year with something yeah. cool. So Because last year, not only did they have Duke Nukem here, but they also gave away free copies of their game. So Wait, wait, how did they give it away, though? Did they throw it out? Uh, everybody, it out? everybody had... Uh, a ticket or something? Uh, yeah, some kind of, like, they were handed out at the door, some kind of ticket with a code on it. Yeah, it's like a voucher that they got as they were leaving the show. And you could pick the platform of choice if you wanted PS PC or PS3. Whoa, whoa, that would be awesome. Yep. So the girls will be joining us later, and Melissa can take over because she's way better at this than I am. <laughs> Until then, we'll see you. All right, I'm here. It's Sunday. I'm standing at the booth for the Unfinished Swan. Sir, what is your name? My name is Ben Esposito. And what is your role in the company? I'm the level designer. Awesome. So the first thing I need is kind of a description of this game. What is it? Okay, the Unfinished Swan is a first-person painting game in an all-white world. All right, world. first off, I just have to say that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of unusual, um, but it's an exploration game in which you can't see what's around you until you paint it. Um, and so it's all about the physicality of paint and exploring space and telling story through architecture. I was actually going to ask you about that. So in the level you have here, there's a really ornate staircase. I obviously can't see everything fully uh, based on the way the game works, but is there a certain art style or time period or architecture that you drew influence from? Aha, uh -huh. there's some 1800s uh, Spanish castles that we looked at and a lot of the influence for the first area comes from there. Um, but later levels have different influences like um, Mediterranean cities and stuff like that. Um, and so the architecture actually is part of the story in the sense that there's a king character who created the whole world and each area is a time period in his life that he's like, oh, I love Spanish castles. So everything is that theme, and that's kind of the idea. All right, this is sounding even better than I thought it might be. Can you kind of give me a rundown? So you've been with the company since the beginning? Uh, not since the beginning. I, I came on about a year into it. Okay. So can you can you tell me kind of the evolution of where this started, what it was on, and how you came to work with Sony? Oh, man. Um, so it started as a student project at USC. Um, the creator, Ian Dallas, was doing a prototype a week. And he kind of just stumbled upon this idea, and everyone who saw it was like, yeah, this is it. Um, and so he didn't, it was originally going to be kind of a scary game, like a horror game. Um, but he, he kind of, he found that it was a little too much for people. Like, this is the scariest horror game that you'll ever get, and it's not even scary. Um, so eventually um, he took it to Sense of Wonder Night in Japan, and Sony saw it, and they're like, we got to have that on our system. Um, so they signed a deal that's similar to that game company, which is like a three-game deal. Um, and then they've been developing it for three years. We started as two people, and now we're ten people. So I know I'm not going to get a concrete answer out of you on this one, but if it's a three-game deal, do you have ideas for the future? Oh, we have ideas. Whether or not they're going to surface, who knows? Who knows how long it's going to take? I don't know. This one's almost done, though, so that's good enough for me. So uh, one of the mechanics in the game is obviously to throw these like paint globules around the world. Uh, is it possible to overpaint the world and lose the context for geometry? <laughs> That's totally the point, yeah. So if you paint everything, it all becomes black. And you're not going to become stuck probably because there's water that stays white and the sky stays white. So you can actually navigate by looking at the sky. 
Um, but it's definitely a danger. Like if you want to see the details, you have to figure out how to creatively paint things to, so you don't make it black. Yeah. Awesome. So what has been the biggest challenge working on a game like this? It's definitely been the trial and error process of getting people through the levels. So originally, it was all white. There was no color at all. So we have these swan footprints because you're chasing a swan. Um, and we have gold objects like a crown on statues and stuff. And before that, after about 10 minutes, people would start to like feel really claustrophobic and freak out. And then they wouldn't be able to navigate and they get stuck. And it was, it was dark times. So um, once we started adding this, like the little bits of color in, then people were able to navigate better. And it was just about like, you tweak a tiny detail here and then people start to go that way. And so it's all about saying like, you're supposed to explore everywhere, but once people know where they want to go, then they'll feel okay exploring where they know they shouldn't go. So, so are you familiar enough with the areas that you could walk up to a room when someone else is playing and just give it a cursory glance and know exactly where they are? Yeah, for the most part. Although sometimes, you know, when it's white with one splat, it could be any wall in the game. I don't know. Um, but we do have a trophy for beating the first level, which is all white, with under three splats. Originally, it was no splats, and I was the only one who could do it. Um, so we raised it to three so that it's kind of more of a, it's more of a fun challenge. Like, where am I going to splat so I can orient myself? All right, last question. You were just somewhere else. I don't know where you were. Have you been looking at other games? And if so, what would you recommend me go check out? Oh my god. Go to the Indie Mega Booth. Um, there's games like Chasing Aurora, which is like flying bird flying game. Um, you have to check out Quadrilateral Cowboy by Blendo Games. It's like a, it uses MS-DOS as a mechanic. Like you put down a computer and you type code to like hack into doors that open and turn off lasers and stuff like that. What does it have to do with cowboys? Um, I don't know yet. <laughs> it's kind of, it's too early to tell. So we'll see about that. And then guacamole. I did play guacamole. That's, that game's awesome. A, <laughs> a, a tostada button right here on my camera strap. I like that game a lot. Yeah, it's so much fun. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you. We just realized that we have been remiss in three years of PAX podcasts in never interviewing any of the enforcers who help this thing actually run. I mean, they're what, the ones who... What is an enforcer? Uh, yeah. The enforcers are the ones who, who manage the lines and keep people safe and just make sure that it's not, you know, crazy, like, wildebeest stampedes whenever anything starts or ends. Um, they do a good job of making sure people can walk through the expo hall by keeping the lines out of the way. Kind of like the, the folks at Disneyland who are, um, you know, just making the park run and, and even though they're always telling you what to do, if that it didn't exist it would be bad news. So we, we've And lots and lots of utilicilts. Oh, you lots and yeah. lots of utilicilts. Yeah. Apparently Luke's going to have a question about that later. He can edit this part out. Um, so we have met an enforcer standing line. He's an off-duty enforcer, but he's gonna—he's agreed to talk to us anyway. So I'm gonna hand the microphone over to Luke and introduce you to the one of the enforcers of PAX 2012. All right, sir. What is your name? Larry. All right. I've noticed you are not wearing any kind of identifiable enforcer outfit. What's the deal with that? That is correct. When we are wearing our shirt, we are on duty. When you're off duty, you take off your shirt. If you are seen off duty with the shirt on, you are put back on duty. Ah, so I've actually wondered about this. We were discussing it in line this morning. We were wondering why people would even want to be an enforcer. And I flippantly remarked that it's a way for nerds to finally have control over somebody else. And I know that's not really fair to you, um, but <laughs> I, I guess you do get some time off to go adventure and do the normal things people do? Yes, you, you generally get, there are three different shifts. There's a morning, afternoon, and a late shift. 
if you're crazy, you can work multiple shifts or all shifts. I only work one shift. That gives you time to see some of the expos, to see some of the panels when you're off shift, and actually get to experience some of PACS besides just working the whole time. Excellent. So why is there such a high correlation between enforcers and utilicilts? That is a crazy question, and I do not understand it. I suspect it allows them to do something they don't normally do in their everyday life. Being that most of them are men, do they secretly want to be women? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, so I'm going to just guess here that a lot of people that are enforcers are into nerd culture and probably have degrees and they work at Intel or Microsoft coding as a, you know, a profession and they don't get the freedom to wear out, exactly. outside of the box clothing. All right, so what is the, the coolest thing that you've seen so far this year? The coolest thing I've seen so far was probably uh, the Tomb Raider demo was pretty good and the, the Resident Evil one I enjoyed. Really? Yeah. Have you been a big fan of the Resident Evil series? I have. I've since the first game, I know everyone loves 4. 4s are dramatically different from the previous games. So 4 is a great game, but to me it is not Resident Evil. So how do you get into the Enforcer pool? Do you apply? You do apply. Uh, usually a month before PAX goes live, if they require more Enforcers, there's an application process. Once you are an Enforcer, you're an Enforcer for life. About two, three months before PAX, we have our own forums. The message goes out. If you'd like to do it again this year, let us know. So once you're in, you're in. And what kind of perks do you get? You get, do you have to pay for it? You do not have to pay for it. You, you get an attendee badge. It's, a, it's an enforcer badge. And then you get the pleasure of working and helping people. That, that is quite a privilege and an honor. We thank you for all of the effort you've put in. I'm sure at some point in the last few years you've helped us in some way, keeping a line safe or getting people where they need to be. So we appreciate that on behalf of everybody here that doesn't even know that you guys work so hard. So thank you for your time. It's our pleasure. Good afternoon, everybody. Here is a Sunday update from PAX. We are, this is the first time I think we've ever done this, but we are waiting in line to wait in line. I think that would be an accurate assessment of what we are doing right now. We're not just waiting in line, we're waiting outside in line because of fire code. I know, I know, this is kind of silly. So, um, we are standing here, thought this would be a good opportunity to talk a little, about, a little bit about how our day has gone so far, wrap up a few things from the weekend, and take some listener questions. Um, so, we are joined right now for this little segment by Luke, Kyle, Kelly, and yours truly. So, we'll talk a little bit about what we've done, what we've really enjoyed, and any other comments we've been saving, because Luke won't let us talk about things unless it's on the podcast. Kyle, let's start with you. What are some things that you've actually had a chance to play this weekend? Since I know you've had a lot of time standing in line. Yeah, so uh, as we were discussing earlier on the podcast, I ran in, like just ran as hard as I could, went all the way to the back of the Borderlands 2 line, and literally the guy came up and said, hey, the line stops right here. It's five hours long. We're cutting it. Get out. And I was like, well, okay. I, <laughs> I do want to do other things today, so I guess that's fine. And then I went and waited in you the would, XCOM line. You would still line. be in that line right now. I would. I probably would. But anyways, the XCOM one, though, they just set that up wrong because basically they give you like a half hour watching a video and then like a half hour playing the game. I told you not to get in that line. It took forever. But when you finally got in there, you at least felt like, man, this was totally worth my time. Like, they had to, yeah, anyways, so that's 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 about it for me. It was excellent. I actually really liked XCOM. All that's a sweet. XCOM? Yeah, that's about uh, it. <laughs> it's a sweet game, though. <laughs> Weekend. What's some of what you played, Kelly? Uh, Luke and I had some fun with some Hitman, um, but I didn't actually successfully do it. So I did. I killed the target. Yeah, he, he dressed up like a drug dealer and smoked his butt. Um, uh, no, I did not. 
<laughs> no, he did. It was gross. Um, anyways, uh, we found this little tiny little nook where a bunch of indie games were sitting, and we got to play a couple. One was called uh, Alien Spidey, which was really fun. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like Pixel Junk Eden with the swinging around, but you're a, a little alien spider, and you're trying to avoid obstacles and collect stuff in the environment. It was really challenging, actually, that when I first started it, I was in a spot I had to try it maybe 40, 50 times before I actually got through. Um, I mean, you know, quick tries, but it was really fun, and I might actually get it. It was a good game. And then Luke and I played co-op a game called PID, P-I-D, and it's really kind of cool. It reminded me of kind of old 2D platformer games, just in the way it felt and kind of kind of the way it looked too, because it had very short squat characters. Uh, but but the mechanic in this game that makes it unique is that you can throw out these little orbs that will change the direction of gravity, and you have to work cooperatively to uh, send these orbs, you know, spinning you in the right direction. Um, and it has real big boss fights, with giant robots, um, lots of crazy puzzles to go through. It, it, was, it was a and lot it, of fun. And it comes out next month. Yeah, it was super neat. I recommend both of those games. Luke, how about you? Uh, Melissa and I played a game called, what, Ninja Crash? Ninja Crash. And it's like an Xbox indie game or an XBLA game, something like that. It's basically you are tiny little ninjas and you just try to make each other die. Tiny little ninjas with kind of like floating lanterns that you have to cut off of your fellow ninja. Yeah, it's almost like Joust, like old school 1980s Joust, where you have to knock the rider off of the bird. And this one, you have to pop the balloon above the, the ninja's head. I'll be honest, I didn't find it all that fun. Even though you won? Even though I won. I, I felt like it went on for far too long. Fair enough. That's what Joust was like, though. Yeah, Joust was weird like that. All right, do we need to get some listener questions? Absolutely, let's take some listener questions. So what do, what's our first listener question? All right, let's see. We've got one. Describe the weirdest costume you've seen and maybe the ones that work only at PAX. Okay, I saw, and no one's going to believe me except that Luke saw her too, so she was not a figment of my imagination, a woman dressed as a tempura shrimp. <laughs> yeah, I no, saw her too. In too, fact, yeah, yeah no, I, people were getting hugs from her earlier. She was very weird. I just I would ne it would never occur to me to dress up as a, a fried piece of seafood. Yeah, I didn't the, the weirdest costumes you can only get away with at PAX are the ones where you have like one piece of something and you're like, hey, I could just put, fit this on and like walk around. There's a ton of people in helmets and regular clothing. It's very odd. So I would I think best costume was either the Rogue or the Darth Vader. Somebody had like full Darth Vader and they were dancing with the Dance Central. I got a video, it's classic. One of the weird things about PAX is that some companies actually pay money for there to be professional suits made. So the Firefall people, there's a guy and yeah. a girl, and they look like movie props. They I mean, they, like are, they are thousands of dollars of, of armor, so it's not really fair. But I, I just think uh, I'm tired of seeing Princess Peach and, and not being sure if it's Fat Princess or Princess Peach. Those of you who listened to the podcast last year will remember that we agreed that you always assume it's Princess Peach. No matter you, how big the girl might no be. No matter how big the girl might be, you assume she's Peach. Especially if she's big. She's yeah. got a Mario, so at least we know that one for sure. So besides Tempura Shrimp Girl, what's the weirdest you've seen, Kelly? Oh, gosh. You know, Tempura was really weird. I don't... I saw a dude in... He looked like a giant robot, like battle warrior thing he had huge it, it wasn't so weird as just massive like he had like a foot and a half on each side of him that he was having to watch p for people because he was just super wide and 
he I, I swear he must have been wearing at least 40 pounds of you know fake armor it, it looked very I silly I got two more they're little kids there was one little girl dressed up like the girl from that new Pixar movie everyone thought she was adorable yeah she had like this red hair and she had the little arrows and I was like oh and it was and then another like parent dressed their kid up as I don't even know what this thing is from but it kind of looked like a pokeball or something that was walking around making noises and like it the parent had to like literally lead the kid around because he couldn't see where he was because he's <laughs> in the shell of a thing that's it's like trick-or-treat <laughs> the weirdest <laughs> I need to clarify, that question was from Max in Olympia. Uh, all right, this one is from Nick in Auburn. Best game on the horizon, any new systems being announced, anything being denoted using the Unreal Engine? All right, I'll answer the bottom two. Uh, no systems being announced here at PAX, that never happens. And the only game on Unreal 4 was Fortnite, and it just looks like a game. So, best game on the horizon, go. Oh, God, uh, best game on the horizon is definitely... Um, um, Yes, Dishonored. I don't know. That's I have no idea. <laughs> What's the game you're looking forward to most, Kyle? Maybe a new Metal Gear. I didn't actually go to the panel, but I saw the video at night when I was in the yeah. hotel room. I'm like, that looks pretty cool. Hideo Kojima was here in town last night. They had a big Konami party, and they announced a new Metal Gear game. That's exciting. Eh. How about for you, Luke? Exciting games on the horizon? Best game on the horizon. I, I'm really looking forward to some of those indie games. I think Guacamelee and Monaco are both going to be great. I, th I think I agree with you on the new game front because, to be honest, that's really all I played this year. Kelly thought of one. Here we go. Okay. Bridge. I'm excited about Bridge. It's neat. It's it's indie. It's got crazy art style. It's a new mechanic we haven't seen yet. I like it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that poor young man who made it, you know, was like chained to his desk for two and a half years drawing all of those things, you know, like cell by cell or something. It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, another next question from Seth in Olympia, Pastor Seth. Uh, what is the best video game for a couple to play? To well, so Seth, the, this question I think can go kind of two ways depending on the couple. Luke and I really enjoy playing video games, quote unquote, together, where I watch and navigate, and Luke shoots dudes. Um, in which case, there are lots of really good options. But for actually playing together, I don't know what do we see any good co-op games? I think the challenge for a good co-op game, especially if there's uh, a skill level issue with one of the players, is to have something where there aren't any enemies. So I think PID was really fun for Kelly and I, but there were bad guys you had to evade, and that's probably not the best choice. Yeah, that game turned into kind of us trolling each other by seeing how we could kill each other <laughs> by, you know, because one of us would throw up a gravity orb and, and the other would jump into it, and then we'd remove it at the most inconvenient time, and, you know, someone would fall into spikes. It was... That, that might not be a good one. I have another idea. So we watched a couple playing the Unfinished Swan while we were waiting for the interview with the developer, and the guy was controlling the navigation, and the girl was controlling where to shoot the balls. So the guy could kind of like get where they needed to get, and she could just paint the environment black. So that was kind of a neat little way without enemies. I enjoyed Guacamelee Co-op um, in terms of new games. I think that one is cute and fun, and none of it is so hard that people couldn't play together. Um, you and I had fun with When Vikings Attack. When Vikings Attack is fantastic. Uh, we really enjoyed that call. In terms of games that I would watch you play, um, I don't know if we saw any this year that were really exciting on that front. There's a lot of games that I would never watch you play. Um, I don't know. Kyle, what do you think? Are there games that you and Crystal might enjoy together that you saw this year? Um, Dr. Mario. I didn't see it this year, but that's a great old game <laughs> where you throw pills and, and it's two-play. Anyway, 
And then uh, this year we played a fighting game, Street Fighter vs. Tekken. And uh, you can ask her until this very moment, she will tell you she beat me. I let her win, all right? I let her win. I let her win. I let her win. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I think my controller was broken. <laughs> Luke never lets me win, so my victory today on Ninja Crash, totally legit. legit. I'm just saying. Do we have any more questions? Yeah, one one Mike, more question. Mike and Lacey, what is the most terrifying game you've ever played? <laughs> I can tell you that. The most terrifying game ever because I stopped playing it within 15 minutes of starting it. It was called Amnesia. It's a PC game. It is, without a doubt, the most terrifying game ever. It's You have no weapons. All you can do is run and hide and pray the thing you can't see in the dark doesn't find you. It's just terrifying. Are we moving to the actual line? Oh, terrifying game. Oh, are we... We're recording live. Oh, things are happening. Hey, okay, so most terrifying game would be Resident Evil on the PlayStation. I didn't even know that there was like scary games, and then I was playing it, and uh, a dog jumped through a window, and it scared me, and I yelled. That's one of the most iconic moments in scary gaming. Horrifying. Actually, that, that Horrifying. dog coming through, because everybody jumped. Exactly. Yeah. Have you ever played a terrifying game? No, I was thinking about this. I'm going to have to take a, a slightly different detour on this. I don't play scary games at all. So the closest for me would be something that's nerve-wracking or intense. And so that would be like hardcore sim racers, where you're in the lead of a race, and and any slight little deviation could cause you to lose. I think for me, no zombies, no werewolves, just the fear of being an idiot and screwing up. That's not fear, that's just you being an idiot. It's, it's anxiety, that's close to fear. Okay, mine's even worse. Luke will probably cut this whole thing out, that my <laughs> scariest game that I didn't actually play, Luke did, but I, I had to tell him to stop after about 15 minutes, was I couldn't handle Bioshock. Okay, it was well, just, it was to too that. creepy for me. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't like it. It was beautiful, I just, the, the story hadn't grabbed me and the ambiance was way too creepy for me to enjoy it, so we had to stop. All right, we will come back to you. The line moved and then stopped, so the cheering has died down, and uh, we'll pick it up again later. All right, we're going to play a little game. It was done on one of, the, it's one of the IGN podcasts recently. Can I have two extra points? They did a really bad job, and I was disappointed in their ability to name video games. So I want you guys alternating. Start with the letter A, go through the alphabet, saying the name of a game that starts with that letter. All right, Kelly, you're going first. Give me a name. I didn't want to, oh, uh, Assassin's Creed. Barney. It was a game, it was a game. <laughs> uh, Contra. Wait, hold on, what system was Barney for? Dungeons and Dragons. What system was Barney for? Keep it going, we gotta keep going faster. <laughs> <laughs> e, e, uh, uh, Echo Chrome. Fortnite. Uh, gah, gah. <laughs> it's hot in here. Um, hold on, let me put my cool glasses on. <laughs> It's a G game, G Man. I don't know. Is that a game? It's probably a game. Yeah, that's it. Gears of War. Hot Shots Golf. Man, screw you. <laughs> um, Indigo Prophecy. Justice League of America. I'm sure they made a game. <laughs> Killzone. What am I? L. Luna Knights. Light, lightning, attack. Little big planet. Thank you. Magna Carta. What am I on? I don't know what that is. N. N. Neverwinter Nights. Oh. Oblivion. Thank you. P. Patrol. Oh gosh, what's a P? Hang on, let me just think one second. 
Please forget, uh, no, forget <laughs> the bean tag. <laughs> oh my gosh. Persona. Thank you. Uh, quest ever. No, it's ever quest, but I'm, I'm switching around. <laughs> I can't think of a Q game. Q boy. Q boy. No. Q Q Bert. Bert. He's got a little nose and stuff. What am I X? No. R. Oh, I was like, dang it! I better not be X. Oh, I know one though. I totally know one. Oh, um, 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 uh, what? I don't know. Red, red, red alert, command and conquer. <laughs> I would have also taken Ratchet and Clank, Resistance, Red Dead Redemption, I, I whatever. S. Sloppy Joe's Big Adventure. Or Silent Hill. Uh, time Splitters. Um, Come on. Uh, um, Come on, Nolan North. Oh, uh, Uncharted. <laughs> or you could say, uh, well, whatever. Uh, what am I on? Oh, V. Um, uh, was it Indigo Prophecies or Virgo Prophecies? Indigo <laughs> Prophecies. We already had it. Dang it. Valkyria Chronicles. Oh, nice, nice. W. W. Uh, I think Melissa should be she, part of Yeah, she's better than us. Uh, uh, I don't know. Melissa? <laughs> White Knight Chronicles. What am I on? X? Xenosaga! Uh, oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. What were those dudes for the, 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 they were the mascots for the, uh, oh, that's Noids. Think of back tattoos. Oh, Vagrant Story. No, that's no, the wrong. Zero Hour or uh, SimCity Zoo. I don't know if that counts because that's a... You guys are very bad at this game. I just want to say for the record. Should Melissa and I do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You think so? We can try, but I don't think it's going to be good. I'll just cut it out if okay, it sucks. So All right, we begin with A. Alpha Protocol. B. Battlebots. C. <laughs> Command and Conquer. Dungeons and Dragons. E. Uh, Echo Chrome. Flower. G. Um, G. 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 Where are we? E G H. Half Life. I. Infamous. Uh, just cause two. What am I on? K. Uh, yeah, A B C D F G H I J K. Yes. Yeah, uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. L. Laura Croft and anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I just inhaled the cover of this thing. Uh, M. Uh, medieval moves. N. Can I use Neverwinter Nights again? <laughs> We're on N. Uh, N. Crap! I told you I'm really bad at this. Um. Ninja got in. Oh. Oh. I had O on the last one, so I get to use yeah, it again. She gets Oblivion. that. Ha. Oh, <laughs> P. No, no, P. Um, planet side. Q. Q. Uh, quest for booty. R. Ratchet and Clank. S. Uh, S. Star Wars something. <laughs> Star Wars something. Because <laughs> I have a T. T. Time splitters. Q is not after T. What's after T? U. U. Unreal Tournament. <laughs> v. I had the V on the last one, but I'm going to try and think of another V. I got nothing. I got nothing. Void Monkeys from the Third Dimension. W. Or Kelly's favorite Vagrant Story. Uh, that one. W. Um... Where the Wild Things Are, the video game. <laughs> oh, that was a game, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Oh, there is? X. Okay, X is not fair. 
Xeno Saga, yeah. <laughs> Why? XCOM, XCOM. There we go. Why? I'm sure that uh, Japanese game called Ease is just spelled YS. Oh, it is. All right. Anzi. Zombie you. Zombies versus plants and or plants versus zombies. Whatever. We suck at this game. All right. That was terrible. We'll be back with you again later. It's the car ride home, which means that it's time for our PAX weekend wrap-up. This is the part of the show where I ask everybody what their favorite slash most memorable part of PAX was. Nobody can remember anything interesting, and we end up talking about something else entirely. <laughs> so, Crystal, this was your first PAX? Yes. So, um, first of all, general impression, what did you think of it? It was very loud. Colorful. It was definitely loud. There's a lot of people. There were a lot of people. <laughs> it was very fun. I what had was a good the, time. the best part for you? Um, really, it was it was fun to see all of the different costumes. Was probably one of the most fun things. But also just getting to spend time doing something that Kyle really loves with him and kind of participating in that world that I'm not usually a part of in that way. Absolutely. <laughs> watching watching the boys have their fun is, I think, one of the more enjoyable parts of PAX. I think for me, um, this was the first year where I played a few games without Luke telling me I should play. Like, I actually wanted to play the games because I've gotten a sense now of what games I, I probably can play. And I know well enough that with the indie games, if I get the developer to play either with me or against me, I can usually be somewhat successful, except for Cannon Brawl. <laughs> Actually, my favorite part of PAX was probably beating Kyle at a game. What game did you beat him at? I don't remember what it was called, honestly, but it was just a really dumb game on the Kinect. I that told was... you should bring it up! That <laughs> <laughs> was like speed skating or something like that, but I totally kicked his butt. Excellent! Victory for Crystal. <laughs> Luke, what was your favorite part? I don't know if I had a favorite part. It was fun to talk to Shane uh, about all the insider information that I'm not allowed to share. Uh, I think instead of answering like my favorite part, I'll probably... Oh, actually, so we just went to the Borderlands, or the, the Gearbox panel, and they gave us free season passes to the Borderlands DLC. What is a season pass? A season pass is where they bundle all of the DLC together at a discounted rate. And to this day, the Borderlands 1 DLC is still the best DLC I've ever seen in a game. So to get free, you know, season pass for Borderlands 2, which is my most anticipated game and the coolest thing at the show, was a real treat. <laughs> I like that the discounted rate for us turned out to be free, too. That was kind of fun. Um, any other memories, fun things you haven't yet shared on the podcast? Uh, I really want a PlayStation Vita. I, I want them to drop the price and, uh, you know, make sure that the software is going to keep coming for it. I hope the market doesn't completely collapse like the PSP. But I think that system is totally viable, and I think there's plenty of good games coming down the pipe. Well, we shall have to, you know, perhaps follow up on the, the Vita story another time. Kyle, most memorable, most enjoyable part of PAX? Before I answer that, I just want to make a quick uh, visualization for our listeners. Uh, for any of you art buffs out there, Norman Rockwell did a painting called The Trip, I think it was, and it's got a car going to the location, and everyone's screaming and excited, and then a car going back, and most people are, like, sleeping and look exhausted. That's basically a, a visual approximation of what's happening right now. <laughs> I will probably be asleep in two minutes. Uh, I love the, the, honestly, probably just the sense of community. Like, uh, probably anyone in this car can tell you I could go up and pretty much talk to anyone about anything. And did. <laughs> and did. And hey did. Ben, how are you doing, Ben? <laughs> 
Ben, if you're listening to this, I love you. Call me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I met a guy from Yelm for local people. That that means something. Anyway, uh, real quick, I, I like the uh, XCOM Border Borderlands 2. I, I wasn't ever a huge fan of Borderlands, but I, I think I might have to get on the boat again. Um, it may have won me over. Assassin's Creed 3. That somebody said in a, a panel, and I really agree with them. They're like, well, of course I'm gonna buy that. They already made one and two. That's not why. I like. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. Jury, uh, the jury's still out on Last of Us. We'll see how that goes. Um, gosh, what are some of the other big games? You know, the ones I waited in lines for. Favorite moments. Oh, moments, moments. Okay. Um, I liked going to meals. <laughs> they were really. There's some good eats in Seattle, and uh, uh, people like the costumes. That was really cool too. I probably want to. I'm gonna try and convince Luke to do a costume next year. Not gonna happen. And now it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So, and I got Melissa on my side. We'll we'll gang up on him. Anyway, so yeah, all, all of it was wonderful. Lots of fun memories. We left Kelly behind in Seattle, so he is not in the car with us, able to give us his final thoughts on PAX. So um, on behalf of Kelly, thanks to Allison from Seattle for providing him with tickets so he could come and enjoy PAX with us. But until next time, you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash TNS podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, the non sequitur podcast. You can send us email at uh, TNS podcast at gmail.com. And there are still free prizes out there for people who give us iTunes reviews. One last thing. Would you like to dig through your purse and pull out one of those... Uh my special prize. I want to announce my special prize. <laughs> so one of the special prizes that we have, I'm going to offer it in a slightly different contest. Um, the person who, this is a Facebook contest. I've decided to have the first ever uh, Non Sequitur Podcast Facebook contest. If you comment on our Facebook page with your favorite PAX memory of PAX, past or present. The most interesting one will get uh, beta code for the Ratchet and Clank Full Frontal Assault beta for the PlayStation 3. So if you don't have a PlayStation 3, you can still enter the contest, but you probably will have no use for the prize. Um, and that won't be sad if you end up winning because then no one will get to use it. Um, so yeah, check us out online, send us comments, feedback, all that good stuff. And this is Melissa signing off for the Non Sequitur Podcast at PAX 2012.